It is so good having you with us this morning. Turn to Psalms 103. We're going to be turning to the sermon study guide. If you don't have a sermon study guide, lift up your hand. An usher will get one to you expeditiously. Psalms 103. Amen. Ushers, help us out if you would. Keep those hands up if you don't have a sermon study guide. I preach a lot of messages, but to me, this is one of the most pivotal messages I have preached in a long, long time. We want you to get this word. I, I will be sharing part two of this message next week. Amen. Thank you again for your giving this morning. It helps keep the lights on. By the way, what powers the electrical lights in this church? What powers the electrical lights in this church? This is not a trick question. For those of you that attend my class on a Wednesday, this is not a trick question. What is it that powers these lights? Electrical power. That's right. What power propels an astronaut into space? Chemical power. What is it that's the explosive force behind a nuclear bomb. What kind of power? Atomic power, the splitting of an atom. Yet all of these pale in comparison to the greatest power that's at our disposal. Think of it. What power can move the hand of an almighty God who spoke the universe into being? What power? The power of prayer. The power of prayer. The power of prayer can do the impossible. Prayer is the most powerful act any Christian can ever perform. Prayer can do anything that God can do. Prayer can release God's power to defeat hell's forces any place, anywhere, and any time. The psalmist said in Psalms 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. What are, what are the benefits of prayer? What are the benefits of a God who can do the impossible? Who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all your diseases? Who redeems your life from destruction? Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies? Who satisfies your mouth with good things that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I like that last part. Older I get, I quote that last part. Amen. I believe Christians look younger and they live longer. Can I hear an amen in that? Amen. Down through the years, I've had countless souls come to me for counseling. And I've heard the most tragic, heartbreaking stories that you can imagine. And they'll usually look me in the eye afterwards after they share their whole story. And they invariably say, Pastor, I really want to do something about this. And normally, I'll look them in the eye and I will say, then let's hunker down and begin to pray about it. Let us bring this to God in prayer. And most commonly, They'll look me again in the eye and they say, No, Pastor, I really want to do something about this. I'm smiling because 
Prayer is not preparation for action. Prayer is action in and of itself. It is, again, the most active stance you can take with any problem, any storm, any giant, any mountain that stands in your way. Prayer is the most powerful act that any of us can ever perform. Amen. Through the power of prayer, I've seen marriages that were on a highway to divorce. I've seen them restored. I've seen God set the drug addicted free, totally, totally clean. I've watched in wonder as God, through the power of prayer, has supernaturally transformed a business and made it prosperous once again. I've watched how the power of prayer has brought physical healing. I was 14 years of age, and my dad, the upper part of his body was soaked with gasoline, and he was set on fire. My dad was six weeks in the burn center. Many of you were in other churches. You remember when the prayer need went out. Grafting after grafting upon my father. And then the nightmarish news. When at 14 years of age, I heard that my father's left arm was going to have to be amputated. It was so seriously burned, and it wasn't receiving life the way it should. And the church went to prayer because there's power in agreement. When we come together with the same purpose at the same time, with the same Father at the same prayer moment, there's power in agreement. The church went to prayer. I prayed like I had never prayed before at age 14. That night before the decision was to be made, my dad was praising the Lord in his hospital bed in the burn unit of U of M. And suddenly, without his volition, without an act of his will, that left arm that was being considered for amputation, as dad was praising the Lord, that arm began to go up. He began to praise the Lord as that arm went up by itself and he was dramatically totally restored and healed for the glory of God. I come from a church. I come from a legacy, a heritage that God answers prayer, that God can do the impossible for His glory and His honor and His name's sake. God's Word is a written record. Read the book. Read the book. It's a written record of answered prayer, the power of prayer. (laughs) Think of it. Prayer split the Red Sea for Israel and made a way where there seemed to be no way. Prayer stopped the mouths of lions as Daniel was in the lion's den. Prayer made it cool in the furnace as those three Hebrew young men were in that fiery furnace. Prayer brought fire from the skies and rain from the heavens as Elijah prayed. Prayer caused, think of it, the blind to see and the lame to walk. Prayer conquered demons and raised the dead. Prayer has the power to cause the vilest sinner to be clean and set free in the name of Jesus. One prayer by one man, King Hezekiah, who was surrounded by millions of the enemy. One prayer by one man, The Bible says released that prayer, released one angel that went out that night 
and slew 185,000 of the enemy so that the rest walked home. Think of it. 185,000. Prayer had such explosive power. Only 90,000 of the enemy were slain through the first atomic bomb. God's power in prayer unleashes force and power way beyond man's imagination. There's power in prayer because we serve a God who will not and who cannot fail. Prayer has accomplished things that are beyond the imagination of man. Okay, pastor. I've heard you preach before on the power of prayer. I believe in the power of prayer. You don't have to convince me. What I need, pastor, what I need to know is to tell me how to pray with power. How do I pray with power? The disciples came to Jesus with a request. They didn't come to Jesus and say, Lord, teach us to preach Lord, teach us to build buildings. They came to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us to pray. That tells me there's a right way and there's a wrong way to pray. There's a right way and there's a wrong way to pray. I believe that we would see so many more miracles here at Lakeside. So many more answers to prayer. I believe that we would see revival here at Lakeside that would be beyond our imagination if we would learn how to pray with power. But there are forces that are arrayed against us, both within us and without us, that negate and short-circuit our prayer life time and time and time again. God is wanting to answer. God is wanting to move mountains. God is more ready to bless, to heal, to restore, to save, than we are to receive those blessings. Will you pray with power? I want to go there this morning. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, O oh God, grant us, O oh Lord, ears to hear. Wake up your church this morning. Grant us hearts to receive. In the name of Jesus, amen. What are the power principles of prayer? Power principle number one. Power principle number one. Praying with power begins with praise. It begins with praise. One of the first things that you should do when you begin your prayer time, your prayer experience, is begin to worship the Lord. Begin to praise the Lord. Don't come to God with your shopping list and treat Him like Santa Claus. When you first say hello to God in prayer, fill in the blank with me. Praise should always precede petition. Petition is the asking part of prayer. Praise should always precede petition. Do you hear me with this? This is what the psalmist taught. Psalms 100 verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. If you want to enter into the presence of the Lord, you enter with thanksgiving. You enter with praise. This is not only taught in the Old Testament. Jesus picks this up in the most prayed prayer around the world. What's the most prayed prayer around the world? The Lord's Prayer. And Jesus taught us what in the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed. Be thy name. Hallowed. That's 
That's the worship part. That's the praise part of the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be thy name. Both Old and New Testament. Write it down. Starting our prayers with praise isn't about buttering God up, but building our faith up. Praise is not manipulating God. God can't be manipulated. Praise and worship is not trying to curry God's favor. You hear me in this? Not whatsoever. Praise and worship is to get your mind, to get your focus off of the circumstances, off the mountains, the storms, uh, off the giants in your life. To get your mind off the negative and get your mind off the problem on the problem solver. Praise causes me to focus on He who is omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent. He's not only all-powerful, He's all-loving. And as I began to see my God through the, the lens of praise, as I began to see my God <laughs> as my healer, as my deliverer, as my provider, <laughs> as my provision, as my supplier, as I began to see Him as my prosperity, as I began to see Him as the one who wants to shower favor on my life, as I began to see Him as King of kings and Lord of lords, no matter what happens in life, he's in control. My faith begins to build up. When you praise the Lord, you choose to say what the angels say. When you sing praises to the Lord, you begin to sing what the angels sing. And if you'll choose to praise the Lord, uh, you'll not only sing what the angels sing, you'll begin to see what the angels see. Our God high and lifted up uh, and filled with praise and glory before whom all of the universe bows in worship. You begin to see your God who will not and who cannot fail. Power principle number two this morning. Power principle number two. Praying with power necessitates right relationships. Praying, if you want to have effectiveness in prayer, if you want to see your prayers answered, you need to be in right relationships. There's three major reasons under relationships why people don't receive ready answers to prayer or their prayers are not even heard number one number one God can't answer the prayers of those who are not in right relationship with him a holy God cannot walk with sin sin whenever it crops up in our lives sin that we know that we've committed or sin that we have unconsciously committed. Sin of omission, where we've neglected to do something. Prayerlessness, by the way, is sin. Not coming to God's house faithfully is sin. The Bible's real clear on this. Sins of omission, sins of commission separate us from God. They short-circuit our prayers. You don't believe me? Psalms 66. The Bible says, If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. What 
is God's cure for sin? What are we to do when there is known or unknown sin in our life? Repent! <laughs> it's not a popular word in the church today, by the way. You know, I, I'm told, I'm told, I'm told by progressive pastors I should not mention repentance because it turns people off. It tunes them out. But uh, repentance is a golden word for me. The actual word of, of repentance speaks of raising me up to where I should be in Him. Repentance, Greek word metanoia, a complete change of mind, change of attitude, change of direction. Repentance always includes confession. Repentance should always follow your praise time. First thing I do in prayer, I spend time in praise and worship. I get my focus off the here and now. I get my focus on eternity and the eternal God. I revel in who He is. I enlarge my revelation, my picture, my focus of who my God is. Are you with me in this? And immediately after I'm done praising and worshiping the Lord, I repent. Even when I don't know of any sin in my life. And I pray this way, Lord, search me, sift me, O Holy Spirit. Lord, scan my life. I ran the scan on the computer. I did a quick scan. Came up with nothing at home the other day. Came up with nothing. It said your computer's running normally. I did the long-term scan. It ran for three hours. Three hours! It came up. The screen was doing this. <laughs> high alert! High alert! High alert! Five major viruses found. Holy Spirit, search me, sift me, do a scan of my life. Lord, remove anything that displeases you and me. And some, when I pray like this, all of a sudden the Spirit will bring up to my attention. Ah, you were too quick with Becky in your words. You need to give her more money in her checking account. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I know Becky's in the nursery right now. I'd hear a loud amen. I repent, Lord. Sanctify me, O Holy Spirit. Cleanse me. Wash me. Make me brand new. Listen. If you come into God's presence saying you don't have any sin, what does the Bible say? 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. I mean, just walking in this world, rubbing shoulders with the world, we pick up sin in our attitudes, our thoughts, uh, our words, our actions. Verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar, and His Word is not in us. A holy God cannot walk with, with, with an unholy people. So, make repentance. Repentance, which is spiritual alignment. Align, realign yourself with God's Word, God's will, God's ways. Amen. Just as we're, we're hitting these Michigan chuck holes, I mean right and left, we're making these alignment guys, uh, and we're giving them all kinds of business, don't we? Our cars go out of alignment. Your life, your soul goes out of alignment on a daily basis. Repent. Make this 
foremost in your prayer time and watch what God will do. Second reason why people don't have ready answers to their prayer. There's second reason. That means put number two up there. God cannot answer the prayer of those who have an unforgiving spirit toward others. Here's another area of, of, a, of realignment spiritually. It's impossible for a loving, merciful, forgiving father to have children unlike himself. He won't have it. He won't have it. You must forgive. The reason so many prayers are short-circuited today, the reason so many are not having victory in their prayer life, power in prayer, is because of this aspect. They're living with a resentment, a grudge. They're holding something against someone from the past. They haven't really forgiven. God calls us to reconciliation and, and forgiveness. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 12, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Just as long as we hold on to an unforgiving spirit, just that long our prayers go unanswered. And worse yet, just that long we're in wrong relationship with God and we can't enter heaven. Jesus goes on in Matthew 6, If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Jesus goes on in, in the Gospel of Luke to say, Forgive, and you will be forgiven. You see, there's more than one unpardonable sin. If you remain in a spirit of unforgiveness towards someone, it's impossible for God to forgive you as long as you remain with an unforgiving spirit towards someone in the present or the past. What would like to produce an unforgiving spirit in your life? What would like to short-circuit your prayer life? Perhaps you were cheated out of a lot of money. Perhaps you loaned somebody money years ago. Somebody who said, I'll pay you back. Uh, count on me. I'm your friend. I'm your buddy. I'll pay you back. You, you can depend on me. You never saw a dollar of it. And man, it's gotten in your craw. If looks could kill, perhaps your spouse cheated on you. Perhaps you experienced terrible rejection as a child as you suffered the, the divorce of your parents and you're still not over it. I have counseled people in their 60s that are still reliving what happened to them when they were eight years old. I am not making that up. Perhaps one dreadful night someone came in your bedroom and you were used and abused. And the emotional scar tissue of that event that happened decades ago is still alive and well in your memory. And you fantasized. 
You have fantasized with that one who so betrayed you, who so hurt you, who, who cheated you out of money, who, who, who stole from you, who lied to you. You have fantasized about doubling up your fist and smashing into their face. Or at the very least, finding their car at a parking lot and, and uh, just ramming that, the side of that car and then taking off, driving away. Oh, some of you are giggling. Oh, you thought about that, huh? Okay. Think about it. The person that you detest the most, the person that you detest the most has become your master. You've allowed them to rob you of joy. You've allowed them to rob you of victory. You've allowed them to rob you of power in prayer. They're not hurting, but you are. For your sake, for your health, for your spiritual health. When it comes to power and prayer, for your sake, forgive them and be set free. Pastor, how can I forgive if I don't have any feelings of forgiveness towards that person? It has nothing to do with your feelings. Forgiveness has nothing to do with your feelings. It has everything to do with your obedience, an act of your will. God's Word says forgive immediately. God's Word says don't let the sun go down on your wrath. If you do, you open the door for the devil to come into your life. Ephesians chapter 4 is so clear on this. Forgive now. Forgive now. Forgive now and be set free. Your will, your choice to obey God's Word should be the locomotive. Your emotions should be the caboose. Don't be led around by your feelings or your life will be one of chaos. Be led by the Word of God. Be led by the will of God. Take yourself by the scruff of the neck and say, you are going to obey God's Word. You don't feel like it. You might not have any feelings of love, forgiveness, mercy towards that one who's hurt you. Do it anyway. And keep forgiving. Keep loving. Keep giving mercy. And watch what will happen. Your feelings will catch up with the choice that your will has made in obedience to God's Word. And the victory comes. Write it down. God cannot answer the prayers of those who cannot forgive themselves. It's not enough to be in right relationship with God. It's not enough to be in right relationship with others. Are you in right relationship with yourself? Didn't we preach last week, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, thy mind, thy soul, thy strength, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as you love your... If you're not in right relationship with self, you are short-circuiting your prayer life. Tonight, I have to do a weekly chore. If I don't do this weekly chore tonight, late tonight, then I'll probably end up doing what I've been witnessed by my neighbors doing every so often on Monday morning. Running out in my pajamas and putting the garbage by the curb. <laughs> and then running back in hoping nobody noticed. That's right. Every Monday morning is garbage collection. 
for us in, in our neighborhood. You've got to put it out on, on Sunday night. And it, it, is, it, is so, it is so fascinating for me what happens the night before garbage collection. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen them in your neighborhood? They come around and pick up trucks. What are they? <laughs> Isn't that funny? Every service, I've had a different name. This is the third service this morning I've preached in. And I have, I've had, I mean, the last service, they yelled out, Pickers! Pickers! Julie, what do you call them? Trash trollers. And I heard another, I heard something else out here. Scrappers. I had to get up. The hearing is starting to go. Scrappers. Pickers. Trash trollers. And they probably drive a better car and live in a bigger house than you and I. And I watch them going up and down the street. And man, some, some of these guys are so good. They, didn't ever, they don't even have to get out of their truck. They can spot right away. Yeah, if they, you've got something that they can make money on. And boy, they leave the subdivisions, their pickup trucks just crammed and loaded with what you and I would call garbage. Not, not long ago, Becky didn't like the color of our toilet. <laughs> toilet worked just fine. It already had a designer color. It came with the house. We had picked it out, ordered it when we built the house yay many years ago. Hey, as long as it flushes, guys, that's all I worry about. Can I hear the men say amen? amen. But she didn't like the color. She wanted to change the colors. So being a good husband, and any good husband, his whole ambition in life is to seek to fulfill his wife and to make her happy. That's right. If you're a wise husband, you'll be other-centered. If you're a wise husband, you will build up the esteem, the encouragement of your wife, seek to please her, and have enough faith that as you invest in her, the return is going to be beyond your imagination. That's not this morning's message. That's just the anointing. It's just coming right now. It's just coming. It's just coming. I said, you want a new color? I said, it works just fine. I want a new car. I said, okay, let's go shopping. So we went toilet shopping. Such a fun experience. Looking at flush ratios. And, and I, I was looking at the mechanism. She's looking at the right color. So we get, the, we get it installed, and I'm taking out the old toilet that to me looked like brand new. And I put it out on, on a late Sunday night, and I saw the pickers coming by. And I, I thought, I, I'm going to be a blessing to them. And, uh, you know, God bless them. And, uh, you know, any way to help the economy. And uh, I said, hey, hey, I've, I've got a like new toilet here. He said, he yelled back, you could keep it too. <laughs> I yelled back, I tried to keep it. <laughs> Let's be real here this morning. A major reason why some of us are not having power in prayer 
is because we're trash trollers, we're scrappers, we're pickers, we're garbage collectors. Jesus at the cross shed his blood. And there's power, there's wonder-working power in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, this blood uh, uh, has enough power, it reaches to the highest mountain, the lowest valley. Glory to God. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to take my sins away. And the shed blood of Jesus took my sins away and took your sins away. And Jesus uh, not only cleansed us with that, that healing stream, but those sins that you've committed in the past, they're under the blood. They are forgiven. They are forgotten. The Bible says that God takes our sins and puts them in His sea, His ocean of forgetfulness to be remembered against us no more. But what do we do? What do we do? We get out our wheelbarrows. We go back to God's junkyard where our sins have been forgotten and forgiven. And we load up our wheelbarrows our garbage cans, and we bring it home, and we drag it around with us day by day. What am I talking about? I'm talking about Christians who maybe you cheated somebody, maybe you lied, maybe you stole something in the past, maybe you, you, you failed, maybe you had a terrible mistake, and you didn't mean to do it. Maybe you did something, you cheated on your spouse, for instance, and you did mean to do it. Most garbage collector Christians that I counsel have to do with sexual sins. That's why Paul says there's no sin that affects the body more than sexual sin. It alivens the conscience. And there's so many that are unwilling or unable to forgive themselves even though they took that to the cross decades ago. And they wake up every morning Stupid, stupid, stupid. Why did I do that? And they beat themselves up over the past. And they open the door to the enemy of their soul who whispers in their ear, You're a sinner. God hasn't forgotten that sin. God has not forgiven that sin. You're unworthy in the eyes of God. You stand condemned in the eyes of God. Guilty, guilty, guilty. When we were in Italy, the missionary took us to a museum that was controlled and led by the Franciscan monks. These are the guys that invented cappuccino coffee. I don't know if I'm pronouncing capuchins, capuchins, capuchin monks, capuchin monks. The missionary, somebody hit it right. We went into this museum, and under one of the showcases in glass were all the whips that these monks used on themselves. Some of the whips were made of leather. Some of the whips were made of metal with hooks on them. And they would take these whips and flagellate themselves. 
until they would bleed. What are they doing? Why are they doing that? They're doing penance. They're trying to pay for their sins. Somehow, some way, they can't forgive themselves. They can't receive God's forgiveness. And they're whipping themselves over and over and over. I remind you again, he paid a debt he did not owe. We owed a debt we could not pay. We needed someone to take our sins away. Jesus paid it all through his shed blood. Glory to God. Amen. But the devil's been whispering in your ear that it's not forgiven or forgotten. And I declare to you upon the authority of God's holy word, if God has forgiven it, you forgive yourself. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, verse 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Not some unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. If God has forgiven you, forgive yourself. To do otherwise is to reject God's Word and call God a liar. When the devil wants you to live with the garbage of the past, when old Slewfoot whispers into your ear that God won't hear your prayers because of the garbage of the past, you turn to old Slewfoot and say, Look at the cross. Look at the shed blood of Jesus. Devil, you're a liar. I will not live with this garbage. I choose to be a victor instead of a victim. When the devil reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. He's a loser. He always has been and always will be. I choose to be a victor and not a victim in the name of Jesus. Lastly, the third principle I want to share with you this morning, and we'll pick it up again next week. Pray the prayer of faith. Pray the prayer of faith. James chapter 5 talks about a specific form of prayer. A specific form of prayer that has power. When we talk about power in prayer. James 5, 5, And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. The prayer of faith, write it down, is praying with what kind of attitude? Expectation. When you pray, what do you expect? And Christians often short-circuit their prayer lives by the lack of it. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 21. If you have faith and do not doubt, if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. It will be done. Listen. Going to God without faith is like going to Macy's without any money. Or credit cards. Or your checkbook. Who goes? Who goes to the store just meandering around without any money? That's going shopping without expectation. Write it down, the prayer of faith is thoroughly based upon a right revelation of our God. The reason many don't receive ready answers to their prayers is because they have a warped, distorted view of God. How do you see God? What's your view of God? 
What kind of revelation do you have of God when you pray? Some of you view God as being angry because you grew up with an angry dad. Psychology, we call that transference. You need to be healed from that. Some of you view God as being like Pastor Hal in the Gospel according to Scrooge. He played that part. I'm talking before he met Christ. Some of you view God as an Ebenezer Scrooge, miserly, greedy, tight-fisted. You need to repent. That's not the God that's revealed in Holy Scripture. Some of you see God as, as a scorekeeper, and he's, he's constantly watching your life. When you're going to mess up. Oh, there. Oh, there. Keeping score constantly. Especially you obsessive, compulsive, perfectionistic types. You need to get delivered from that. Because there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. He removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. That's infinity. What's the revelation that Jesus shared? It's the first time it was ever shared. You won't find it in the Old Testament. The revelation that Jesus shared was dramatic. It was revelatory. It, it, it was astounding. It was shocking. What revelation, fresh revelation, did Jesus share of who our God is? And you need to have this at the apex of your focus when you pray. Oh, it's the most prayed prayer in the world. Our Father. There it is. Which art in heaven. That's a correct view of your God. And what kind of a father is? Our father. Matthew 7, 11. So if you sinful people, what do they do at Christmas time, sinful people? Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? When you move into prayer, do you move with expectation that your Father is a loving Father, a blessing Father, a Father who delights in showering His gifts, His favor, His blessings on His children? Do you approach God's presence with that kind of faith and expectation? That's what God is calling us to. That's praying the prayer of faith. God is such a generous, loving Father he wants to bless us even more than we can conceive or imagine. Many times we limit God by the way we pray because we ask for too little. Ephesians 3.20 Now to Him, Paul writes this, Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably, say that word with me, immeasurably. What does that mean? without limit more than all we ask or imagine God wants to do in your experience in your life more than you can even ask or imagine because his ways are higher than our ways than the heavens are above the earth let me illustrate November 28th You've heard the story over and over again from me. I was on a pastoral call. 
Friday night, November 28th, around 6.15 p.m., westbound I-94, hit a bad patch of ice just south of the 15-mile road exit, spun like a top, totaled, totaled my car. First thing I did was thank the Lord. He, my life was spared. You're doing 60, 65 miles an hour looking out your driver's window instead of your windshield spinning. You learn how to pray quick. Totaled my car. Police officer was there. God bless him. Five, ten minutes at the max later. Felt real bad for me. There was an accident right down, right down the way for me. This one, they had to call an ambulance. The roads had turned so treacherous so quickly. I'd never experienced anything like that in my life. I've never had an accident in my life. Never had a ticket for an accident in my life. And I just had my first ticket. He said, I feel so bad, but by law, I have to give you a ticket. $120 ticket written on the ticket. Did not use caution for snow-covered roads. Um, fact was, I moved from the left because people were going too fast. I went to the right lane to slow down to use caution, but I got ticketed. He said, if you want to fight the ticket, show up in court. And it's up to the magistrate, Clinton Township Court. And so I contacted the court. They gave me an appointment. 8.30 a.m. this past Tuesday morning, January the 13th. Becky and I, the night before, I said, you want to come with me? She said, do what? I said, I need to build my case. I need to write my case. I am Pastor Phil Perry Mason. I've watched enough court TV. I know what we need to do. I already had pictures of my wrecked car. I went and took pictures of the roadway. I counted how many signs there were along the way. Went back to the, the, the scene of the crime, even though I committed no crime. I knew this was unjust. And I was a victim. And I, I wrote my case all out clearly. Uh, that morning, got up early and laid hands on it, prayed over it. And I said, Lord, uh, give me favor. I don't care if I have to pay the ticket, uh, 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 Lord, because what I'm really concerned about, give me favor, the judge. I don't want any what? Point. Oh, you've been there too. Man, that was quick. <laughs> you've been there too. I, I don't want any points. I don't want this on my record. Lord, please, Lord, grant me your anointing that I might be articulate, that I might be eloquent before the judge, that I'll be able, oh God, to persuade him to, to, to set, you know, to, 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 to at least set aside the points. We showed up there. We were on the first ones there, about 50 people in the waiting area. And I looked around and I said, I'm a part of this group. And I'm holding on to my wallet. I, I, uh, boy, what a bunch of... I'm, I'm counted among the losers. The losers. And, and uh, 
what, what happened, the, the, the officer that, would, that ticketed you and ticketed these people would come on out with a whole handful of tickets. I see you shaking heads out there. You've been there, huh? And, and, and then those people would go with that officer into the courtroom then. I waited and went here on the first one there and the last to go in. And there's only about 10 of us left. No police officer. Suddenly, out walks this man in a black robe. <gasps> it's the judge. And the judge called out, Philip David Christ. My heart just sunk. I picked up my Perry Mason briefcase. I said, come on, honey. Let's do it. I had my case all written up there. I had my, all my documentation, my photos. I, I was ready, sat in the bench. I was all primed to go, like a preacher getting ready to preach. I was all primed. And, and uh, the judge called out my name again and said, your officer slipped on ice and he can't be here this morning. Case dismissed. What? 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 I, I was all ready to argue. I was all ready. This is more than what I asked for. This was beyond, this is beyond what I ever imagined. And God spoke to me. And the word of the Lord came to me. Don't put me in a box. I can do that which is above and beyond what you can ever imagine. I do things that no man can do. I'm in control. I'm in control. That's God's word for some of you this morning. You have been praying along a certain vein. Is your prayer language limiting God? How about releasing God to do what He thinks is best? How about releasing God to do the impossible? How about expecting God to do something that is so wonderful, so marvelous, that it, it even amazes God with the asking? Write it down if you'll pray the prayer of faith and choose to see the invisible. God will do the impossible. God will do the impossible if you will choose to see the invisible. Stop, stop focusing just on points being removed from a ticket. How about start focusing on the case being dismissed? Doing something that's above and beyond. That's the word of the Lord. That's what faith is all about. Hebrews 11.1, 1, what is faith? It's the confident assurance that what we hope for is going to happen. It's the evidence of things we cannot yet see. The world says, I will believe it if I see it. What is God saying here in, in this scripture? What is God saying? If you will believe it, then you can see it. What's the level of expectation that you're moving in right now? God will usually meet us at our level of expectation. If you can conceive it in the spiritual, you'll be able to conceive it in the natural. The reason that so many are not birthing miracles through their prayers, they're not birthing answers, they're not birthing healings, they're not birthing the supernatural, is because they're not conceiving in the Spirit that we serve an Almighty God who can do all things, who can perform. He delights in doing the impossible. I remember a story as a kid about a king 
and his knights that traveled the countryside in the kingdom. A king of unlimited wealth. And the king with his army of knights went through the countryside stopping and asking this question of peasants. The first peasant, he stopped and said, what can I do for you? The peasant said, I want your horse. The king said, as his knights were laughing in the background, your request is denied. He rode on, came to another peasant, and the king said, what can I do for you? And the peasant said, I want your castle. The army of knights, oh, I mean, they're just, just busting out with laughter. King said, request denied. He came to the third peasant. And the king said, what can I do for you? And the third peasant said, I want your horse, I want your castle, and I want half of your kingdom. And the king, even though the knights were laughing, the king said, your request has been accepted. I will do it because you honor me. You honor me greatly. Your faith in me excites me. And I honor your request. And the knights were shocked. And the king looked their way and said to his men, I'm tired of small requests when I have so much power and so much wealth to offer. People of faith excite me. Listen, an almighty God is sitting on his throne in heaven with his hand cuffed behind his ear to hear the prayers of his children. He's listening for us to claim mighty and great things in him. He's listening for us to pray for signs and wonders, miracles to be poured out in his church. He's listening for us to pray that a spirit of revival would be poured out upon these United States of America from sea to shining sea. But what do we pray for? God, protect my house while I'm away in Florida. When you pray, when you pray, when you intercede, I want you to remember who you're talking to. You're not talking to some president of the United States that you'll never have an appointment with. You're not talking to some billionaire who has limited wealth. You're talking to the king of the universe who spoke it all into being. <laughs> ask him, ask him, ask him for things that are so big, so huge, that God <laughs> slides to the edge of his throne and he says, angels, listen, <laughs> listen. <laughs> they honor me greatly by asking greatly. Angels, do it. Their faith excites me. Their expectation excites me. They honor me as God. Hallelujah! Will you pray the prayer of faith? Will you pray the prayer of faith? Will you ask Him for things that are beyond imagination, that are immeasurable? For our God is able to do that which is exceedingly, abundantly, more than we can imagine, ask or think. As we were walking out of the courtroom, you should have seen, I wish I had taken my camera out and, and taken a picture of the people's faces, their countenance, their attitude as we walked out of that courtroom. Again, there's about 10 of us. 
All of our cases had been dismissed. As soon as those doors closed, oh, there were some people jumping up and down, clapping. There were people on their cell phones telling their friends, their parents, their girlfriends uh, that their case had been dismissed. I had, I had one lady come up to me, and she said, uh, Sir, sir, can I ask you a question? I said, Sure. She said, uh, does this mean uh, our cases are dismissed? Do I still have to pay my ticket? I looked at her with a smile and I said, <laughs> you have a clean slate. It was just as though you never had a driving infraction whatsoever. You are innocent. Your record is clear. Look at the cross. Look at the shed blood of Jesus Christ. His shed blood is there for us this morning. An old slewfoot might be saying, You're a sinner. You're sinful. You have sinned. You know what? The devil could be right. But you have an opportunity for your case to be dismissed. You have an opportunity to look the prosecuting attorney, old slewfoot in the eye, and say, this morning, I begin a brand new day. I, I, I begin a brand new purpose. You might be sitting here and you say, Pastor, Pastor, you just don't understand. My life, my life is a big mess. My life is like scrambled eggs. That's why you need to fill in the last blank. Some of you already put it away. God can take those scrambled eggs and make an amazing omelet. That's the power of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. He's done it before. He'll do it again. And He wants to do it in your life here this morning. He wants to forgive. He wants to forget. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. The issue is, you got to get into Christ Jesus. Will you do it? Will you pray with power? Father, in the name of Jesus, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, Lord, I pray that you would come, sweet Holy Spirit, and knock upon hearts' doors. Call us to yourself. Call us, Lord, to be set free. To be set free from sin. To be set free from the prosecuting attorney that would like to make our lives scrambled eggs. A mess. Lord, you can make something beautiful out of our lives. Lord, we come to you with the faith believing, the faith receiving. That with you all things are possible. And you can make something beautiful out of our lives. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, perhaps you're here this morning and you're not sure you're right with God. You're not sure you have a home in heaven. And you want to be sure. Well, I'll pray a prayer. I call it the prayer of salvation. If you would like to be included in this prayer, 
I want you to know that if you're included in this prayer, God will save you. God will give you a home in heaven. God will make something beautiful out of your life. How about it? Isn't it time you said yes to Jesus? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed this morning. No one's looking around. If that's you, if you would like to be included in this prayer, a prayer that'll change you and rearrange you and give you a hope for heaven, lift up your hand right now so that I can see it. Lift it up. Lift it up right now. Christians are praying. I don't want to leave anyone out this morning. Lift it up for the glory of God. Lift it up high so that I can see it. Pastor, include me in that prayer of salvation. I want to know that I know that I'm right with God. I want to know that I know that I have a home in heaven. No matter if you're on the balcony or on the main floor, lift it up high. Wave it at me so that I can see it. I don't want to leave anyone out. Precious Jesus, we just take this moment. Precious Jesus, if not, Stand with me right now in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Stand with me right now in the name of Jesus. Precious Jesus. Sing that chorus with me. Amen. Cindy, 